This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. Well, we know this story as the, um, the call of the disciples. And in uh, the synoptic gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it all happens when they are out fishing. And uh, Matthew basically tells it uh, the way Mark does. A matter of fact, there's about 90% of Mark in Matthew. And if you'd like to find out more about Mark, Bible study, we're doing that in Bible study. Okay. <clears throat> that was a shameless plug. I know, a shameless plug. <laughs> but uh, um, Luke, Luke tells it a little bit differently. Luke is like the J.J. Abrams of gospel writers. You know, there's drama in Luke's story. You know, the, the boat nearly sinks from having you know, being full of fish, you know, and then when Peter gets on shore, you know, he falls on his knees, and there are a lot of violins and close-ups, you know, happening on, on that. It's a very dramatic... When Luke gets a hold of something, he likes to turn it into a Golden Globe production, and he's really good at it. But Matthew, <clears throat> Matthew wants to save the drama, you know, and then very subtly kind of Flick it like, 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 like when you flick uh, the edge of a wine glass. Well, that was more of a thud. Uh, but, <clears throat> but he just, you flick it and just let it ring, you know. And uh, he says that Jesus was walking along the beach. There were two brothers over here, two brothers over here. And uh, everybody's just kind of fishing. And Jesus says, hey. Let's go, and I'll take you fishing for people. And that's pretty much it. Immediately, they left their nets and follow him. And there's no big production here, like in Luke. Um, but don't be fooled, because Matthew has his moment. And the moment is all drawn together in that one word. Close. Actually, this is just a dramatic pause. <clears throat> it is immediately. All the drama is in that, you see. So, so th you know, it's really funny about that word, too. Immediately. For something that means really quick, it takes five syllables to say it, you know. <clears throat> and maybe, maybe that's because a lot can happen in a single moment. A moment that changes your life. Like, um, like the moment you said, I do. Or maybe it was that moment you heard, the job's yours. Or maybe it was that moment when you found out that a baby's on the way. You know, and the realization just kind of... Do you remember when you first... Well, not all of you, but... Um, when you first found out, when I first found out, let's, let's keep it personal here. When I first found out, it was, like, it was like the news, the realization started right here and just crawled across my scalp and tingled down my spine. 
In that moment is the realization that something's going to happen that is going to change my life forever. And it's wonderful. You know, moments, those are powerful moments. In just a second or two, your life has embarked on a new adventure that will change you. There's a lot of drama in that word immediately. It's a powerful moment for Peter and Andrew and James and John. What went through their minds at the speed of a synaptic flash, we don't know. But something happened. That spark ignited their choice in that second, in that, that, that second that Matthew calls immediately. I'm not sure exactly, but something happened that touched them and changed them. Then quick as they left their nets and, and they drop everything. You know, there's, there's no settling of their affairs. There, there, there's no um, itinerary. There's no luggage. There's no putting the mail on hold. There's no uh, calling the credit card company. I mean, all of that stuff. They just drop it and go. They follow. And that word immediately contains the drama of all of that went through their hearts and their minds and their spirit. And the choice that they made to leap and go. I don't think it was an impetuous act, though. You know, um, or a spontaneous choice or a rash decision. I think there was something that was already at work within them. And it may have been a certain discontent in their lives. It could have been that they were driven by deep questions of existence. It could have been that they wanted to become better people, to make their lives matter, to become a part of something bigger than themselves. We don't know. Matthew doesn't tell us. All we know is their response. And we are called to question ourselves, saying, what would make us respond in like manner? There's something at work there. And it's called... This isn't a dramatic pause. Uh, uh, this is <laughs> grace. And it's a particular type of grace. Okay, so I don't need to cover that part of my sermon. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Convenient praise, uh, grace is something that John Wesley talks about a lot, but he's not the first to talk about it. It goes way back. I mean, it goes past... Uh, Thomas and Aquinas and St. Anselm and, and, and through the Johannine community and the Apostle Paul back, 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 back into the prophetic traditions and the Exodus and all back to the dawn of all things when the first moment of time was a flash of singularity, ex nihilo, boom. And, and that same spark that started it all was at work in the disciples, is at work in you. What was it that made him jump at the chance? I don't know. I don't know. 
is probably different <laughs> for everyone because you see, grace is not kind of a generic thing. Oh, it's just grace, you know, uh, you know, with a little barcode on it. Grace, grace, with grace, everything is custom made, tailored to each person's experience and to their disposition, to their personality. You know, but that should be hard for God. Because remember, God can catalog and index every hair on your head. Bruce is making it really easy on God right now. <coughs> so, <laughs> and he agrees. Okay. <clears throat> Grace is at work in each of us, in each of us, just like it's been working in people since day one. So when Jesus says, "Let's go," the disciples said, "You bet." And then something new is born. The Bible calls them disciples. As a matter of fact, um, it would call us disciples as well. Hmm. And now, are you ready for this one? It is used over 200 times, I think it's like 200 and almost 70 times in the New Testament. The word is methetes. And uh, do you know what? No, I, I shouldn't ask that. I'll just tell you. The word methetes <coughs> can mean a pupil or a student. I mean, somebody who, who comes in and there's just kind of a focus and they learn a subject. That's one level. The second level is where, well, the first level is like the level of information. The second level is when you take that, that lesson, that learning, and you apply it. So if you're, you're learning how to do a trade or something like that, and that is a lesson of confirmation. For instance, if you are learning to fly a plane, um, you have to kind of conform your actions to the layout of the cockpit. You know, and you have to conform to the rules and regulations of being a pilot and all of that. That's, that's the second level. And the third level, the third level is the learning deep level. And that is the level of apprenticeship. Apprentice is someone who, who inwardly digests the information and metabolizes it into their very being. This is a level of where the, the student is eventually trying to become like the master. This is the level of apprenticeship. And when Jesus is talking to the disciples, they are, um, he's talking about an apprenticeship not just students. They are apprenticed to Jesus. I'm thinking of um, martial arts. Have anybody take martial arts? What do you take? Aikido, yes. Sam does. Sam does. 
He's going to take you down one day, isn't he? All right, yeah. Okay. And that, and when you take um, a martial art, you have to learn the moves a certain way. And you go through it over and over and over and over and over again until it becomes second nature to you. Now, I took judo in high school. Oh. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> I did it because I wanted to be awesome. You know, I, want, I wanted to go, go and learn it and be like Chuck Norris. Of course, that was karate, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, and so I went to the dojo. You know, I went to the do- dojo to get my mojo, you know. <clears throat> and so... <clears throat> The thing that surprised me about this, because I did not learn how, the first lesson was not how to throw people. The first lesson was how to fall. And so you learn how to not hurt yourself when you fall. And so, you know, there's a scene, you fall down, you slap the mat and everything. And then after you've thrown yourself on the ground, then they get the more advanced students to throw you on the ground. You're like a test dummy. You know, and, and you got to learn how to fall. you got to learn how to fall and then get back up again. Before you start learning all of the funky, cool moves and stuff like that, you got to learn how to fall. <clears throat> and uh, several years later, decades later, <clears throat> I was walking along with a friend. And we were talking and, and we were with, um, uh, were, were there more than, was it just the four of us? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, the kids were there, too. Yeah. And so I'm talking to my friend Eric, not seeing this pothole ahead of me. And it was a honking deep pothole. It was probably like that. But I step in it, and I go down. And it was like, ooh, but the judo learning, I know how to fall. And so I fell, I slapped the ground and rolled back up. Ta-da! <laughs> I still got it, you know. <clears throat> Christian discipleship is like that. Where you, in, like I say, inwardly digest and metabolize into your spirit the teachings of Christ, the teachings of love, of compassion, of forgiveness, of mercy, of self-sacrifice, of self-control. All of those things are lessons that we are to integrate into us. That's what it means to be a disciple. It is not, are you ready? It is not about doctrine and dogma. (laughs) It is not the checklist. The question is, how much are you becoming like the master? Is your faith life being shaped and formed by Jesus? And you know why I think this is the way to understand discipleship instead of 
belief about Jesus, but rather having a belief like Jesus because Jesus says so. Jesus says the student is not above the master or the, or, or the teacher or the slave above the master, but rather tries to become like the master. And that is apprenticeship. So what we have here, folks, is a Christian dojo <clears throat> where we learn to integrate the lessons of Christ into our life. So it is ingrained into us to the level that it is reflexive. Imagine having a reflexive compassion. There's a lot of drama in that word immediately. Because it's a moment that will change everything. And that's pretty awesome. Amen.